Hi everyone, welcome to the Lawyer Podcast, where I strive to explain useful laws for everyday living that people should know. Obviously, this is geared towards Canadians, as I am a Canadian lawyer who practices in Ontario, Toronto. Hi everyone and welcome to the Lawyer Podcast. Today we're going to talk about renting and the important laws you need to know to make sure that everything goes smoothly or if you have any issues then you know how to move forward and how to resolve it. So the first thing that is important to know especially when you live in a big city such as Toronto as in my case when you are looking for an apartment or even when you find one the landlord will request a security or a damage deposit and a lot of the time in big cities the security deposit is a lot of money and if you refuse to give the security deposit you will not be chosen for renting the apartment so the thing to do is under law at least here in ontario and also in quebec it is illegal to request security or damage deposits. So, as I repeat myself, in Toronto, in, sorry, in Ontario and in Quebec, it is not permitted under law to request a security or damage deposit. All you can request is first and last month's rent and a key deposit, for example. So what happens is, obviously, if you tell that to the landlord prior to being approved, to rent the apartment then they just don't choose you so what you should do is accept to pay the security or the damage deposit become a tenant and that and then be protected under the law under the residential tenancies act in ontario i'm taking ontario as an example as i'm a lawyer there and i actually live in toronto so then after that you request for your money back from the landlord. And if he can fight it, you can show them, first of all, the section of the law, and if they don't want to abide by it, you can call the appropriate authorities, such as Ministry of Housing of Ontario, and they will help you get it back. The landlord, in this case, cannot throw you out for it, as it is illegal in the first place to request a security or damage deposit. So you win and you avoid not having the apartment. And at the same time, you know, you get your money back because I can assure you $2,000 for a security deposit is a lot of money. So that's the first rule that I find a lot of people don't know about. And that can be a very, very big problem because at the end of the day, a damage is very subjective. So what happens is, let's say you want to move out in a year, two years, three years, you're requesting your security or damage deposit back from the landlord. So the landlord comes, does an inspection and decides that, well, I'm sorry, but you've damaged the property, so I'm keeping your security or your damage deposit. Then it becomes a battle to actually go against the landlord to try and get that money back. And if it's been years, there can be no traces of you giving that money to the landlord when you first moved in. So just save yourself some headache and 
make sure that you get that money as soon as you move in or wait a few weeks if you want to try you know make sure that you established you're established in your apartment and everything so that's the first rule that i find very important the second really important thing you should know is about eviction so eviction is important i'm just ta- i'm talking Uh, for the tenant and also for the landlord. As you may be aware, there can be very, very difficult tenants, but also very difficult landlords. So in this case, if you get an eviction notice for whatever reason, a lot of the time in big cities especially, landlords tend to try to evict tenants to raise the rent because it's so expensive to live in some cities that it is not, you know, the uh, legally, the legal increase per year barely covers anything, and it doesn't even, um, it doesn't even cover inflation. So, what landlords do are given eviction notices stating that they need to do renovations or they want to move in, and then you leave and they rent it again and they hijack the price. So what's important to know about eviction, first of all, is that there is a formal process that needs to be followed. And if the landlord doesn't follow the process, and also for landlords, it is important to know it. As if you don't follow it, it can take months for you to evict a bad tenant. So what happens, for example, I'll take the most simple one would be eviction for non-payment of rent. So if the tenant is not paying rent, you have to serve a proper form and that proper notice is available usually at the um, in the website for the landlord and tenant board of the province that you are living at so you have to fill out the form that's appropriate so if, if it's non-payment of rent i'm taking ontario as an example that would be the uh, number the t the that t4 So that would be for non-payment of rent. And under that form, it will give the tenant a number of days to abide by to basically pay the rent. If they pay the rent and it's 14 days in Ontario, then the form is void. The notice is void. The good thing about it is, yes, it is void, but it can be used at a later time to evict if the tenant is constantly late to pay rent. So for example, if the tenant every single month you have to basically run after them to pay rent, instead of running after them and you know they're they're gonna pay it, but if you have especially if you have a mortgage to pay at the on the first of the month, you know, getting getting rent on the fourteenth is not very useful for you and actually can lead to a lot of issues. So what happens is every single time you you give that form to them. So after that, after a while, six, seven times, you can go to the board and ask for eviction for constantly as paying rent late. So that would be another option. But what it does when you give the proper form, it starts the process. So after that 14 days, in this case for non-payment of rent, you can go and register it to the board to get a hearing so you can go and evict. As I hope 
I'm pretty sure most of people don't know, in Ontario and in most provinces, if not all, the only person who can legally evict a tenant is the sheriff. And the sheriff will not evict without an eviction order from a competent tribunal. In most cases, the landlord and tenant board, that's usually um, how they're called. So for, for it to get to the sheriff, you have to actually go to the board, get a hearing, the tenant will be advised of the hearing, and then get an eviction order from the board. And for that, it all starts with giving the proper form. If you do not do that, and trust me for working in landlord and tenant uh, law, a lot of bad tenants are very smart and they know the law. So a landlord who's a small, usually there's you know small landlords who just have one property to rent, don't know it. So they give a simple piece of paper saying that you have to leave in a month and the tenant doesn't leave. And then they're trying to evict and the tenant obviously calls either ministries or they call the police and the police does not intervene or you have a proper, you know, you have a proper uh, lease and the, the landlord hasn't followed the rules. So it can cost a lot of money to landlords and it can drag the process for weeks or even months, knowing that to get a hearing takes a couple of weeks. So it is very important to know. And for also tenants, obviously, if the landlord is trying to give you any eviction notice to make sure that first of all it's a proper form from the board so you go on their website and also that it is a proper reason to evict so what happens is that you're aware that if they give you an eviction notice just to get you out so they can rent it to another person then you can object to it and if you have to go to the board with it for it then you can, and the landlord has to pay for the eviction hearing. So to file the actual form, you need to pay a certain amount of money. So, And it's non-refundable if the landlord loses, and you can ask in some cases for compensation if they lied. There's a lot of um, rules protecting tenants in that aspect, and it takes a while, but it's important to know how eviction, the eviction process works, as it can save a lot of time and a lot of headache. So that's another subject when it comes to uh, renting that a lot of people should know, no matter where you live. Uh, the other issue would be that I found is uh, present a lot is the landlord entering your apartment. So a lot of the time, um, the landlord wants to enter to verify or to uh, just do an inspection, which is fine, or renovate something, or you know, if you obviously if you call them because there's an issue, then you shouldn't be complaining if they're coming in. Um, the only thing is there are some rules that need to be followed. Obviously, if you agree for them to come in at any time, then it's on you. You gave their your agreement, but usually a landlord has to give a 24-hour written notice with the time, date, and reason for entry. And usually when I say time, it's not from, you know, between 8 and 8. It has to be around three hour, two, three-hour window. 
And it is important to know that the tenant does not need to be present for the landlord to have access. So as long as they provide you with a proper notice, they can have access whether you're there or not. The whole point of the notice is to allow you to make arrangements to be there if you want or if you feel more comfortable being in the apartment while the landlord is inspecting. Obviously, if it gets to the point where they're doing inspections every two weeks and there will be an issue, and I would suggest you know, writing a formal letter to them asking for them to stop doing that and then going forward and filing with the landlord and tenant board or with the Ministry of Housing to get uh, the landlord to stop coming in you know, every week or every two weeks because that, that becomes harassment and it's not necessary to come in and that's a violation of uh, basically the enjoyment of the, of the apartment. So that's really important to know uh, to make sure that you do not feel uncomfortable obviously in your apartment as it is, you know, it's supposed to be your home, even though you're renting, where you should be, you know, should feel comfortable and you should feel, you know, happy in it and not constantly fear that, you know, the door will open and some random people will come in. But it is really important to do so. And this rule applies also when a landlord wants to sell the place. It is the same rules. It can't be an open house. People can when where people can enter, go in and out at any time of the day. So it is really important to know that. And I find that a lot of people don't know the rules surrounding access and entry, and that can cause a lot of problems between landlords and tenants. So it's really important from the beginning to be able to know what's going on. And if something is, you know, if the landlord comes in too often, then you can basically explain to them the rules and show them the uh, the law. And or if a tenant always refuses access, the landlord can also make sure that the tenant understands that it is their right as landlords to enter the apartment. So those are three major rules. Uh, when it comes, for example, to uh, the last thing I'm going to talk about in this case would be pets. I know a lot of people have uh, a dog or a cat. And depending where you are, a lot of landlords do not want to have pets. Okay, so I'm talking about Ontario. So in Ontario, and I'm doing a little bit, I'm going to do a little bit of a distinction, for example, between Ontario and Quebec. So in Ontario, it is in the law that it is forbidden in any lease for a landlord to say that pets are not allowed. So even though it's in the lease, you don't have to follow it and they have no recourse. So if, you know, let's say you come in and then after three months you decide to uh, have a dog and the landlord, you know, discovers that you have a dog in the house and threatens to evict you because it is in in the lease that you're not supposed to have a dog. Well, that section of the lease is void as it contradicts the law. So that's really important to know. The issue comes when you already have pets and then you really want an apartment, but the landlord says that, well, I'm sorry, but pets are not allowed. I wouldn't suggest that when it comes the advice that I'm about to give you 
because it can create a lot of tension between you and the landlord. But what you can do is not disclose that you have pets if you really want the apartment. And obviously, you know that your dog or your cat, they're very clean and you're taking good care of them and there will be no damage to the unit. And once you have the apartment and you sign the lease and you become a tenant and thus protected under the law, then you can bring your pet and there's nothing they can do about it. So that would be a way to kind of get the apartment you want and still get to keep your pet. This does not apply in Quebec. So in Quebec, if it's written that there are no pets allowed in the lease, it is enforceable. So you need to be careful. So what happens is that if you get a pet, the landlord has a recourse against you for eviction at the board because you actually broke the lease. So these are little things that people should know and they're very important because I find in the actual practice of law, those are issues that always come up. It's pretty much the same issues that always come up when it comes to disputes between landlords and tenants and issues that people don't understand. So I really hope that this was helpful. If you have any questions, uh, if you want me to answer any more questions about landlord and tenant uh, legislation, do not hesitate to message me at my email address that's going to be um, down below in the podcast description. If you have any comments, feel free to email me. Have a good day and see you next time.